Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 418. I've got a great guest. I say that every week, but I've been actually really looking forward to this um, discussion. We've got Kurt Van Ahem um, on the show. I probably totally butchered his surname, but I think I've done better than last week, was a, which was a slightly embarrassing. Um, Kurt, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure, sure. Uh, Kurt Van Ahnen, and uh, I run a company called Manana No Mas and, and a podcast and stuff like that, but I'm also full-time employed at Suzuki Motor of America and in charge of the training department. So I uh, use a, quite a bit of WordPress products and, and learning management systems and stuff like that. And man, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on the show, Jonathan. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was, I've been, like I say, I've been really looking forward to the discussion. And I've got my great co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners of yours? Hi, my name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We produce marketing automation and sales tools for companies that use WordPress. And I'll just give you a quick outline of what we're going to be discussing, blessed listeners and viewers. Um, I asked Kurt to come on the show because basically I want to discuss what's it like to, to use something like Lyft uh, LMS or Learn Dash in a corporate environment. What are some of the challenges if you're an agency and you're bidding um, against a very large established SaaS product, you know, some tips, insights about utilizing open source software like WordPress with um, two of these great learning management plugins in a corporate environment. I just thought Kurt was the gr- a great guy to come on the show and give an outline, which is something you won't hear on a lot of other podcasts. So I thought it'd be a great subject. Before we go into the main part of this discussion, I want to mention one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. And Kinsta only specialise in hosting WordPress websites. And if you're a power user, either you're an e-learning entrepreneur or you're, you're a developer or a consultant, you need really good quality WordPress hosting to make your learning management system a success. And that's what Kinsta offer. They offer some of the best technical support on the market. All their technical support reps are experts about WordPress. You won't have to wait to be transferred to a level three support technician because they all are. You also get some of the best UX design in a custom interface. You get stage insight, one click backup, the choice of being able to choose what version of PHP in the interface. I could go on and on, but it's a class environment and they're a class company. So if you're looking for a real great WordPress hosting partner, go over to kinsta.com, see what they've got to offer, and please mention that you heard them on the WP Tonic Show. Now, Kurt, um, what do you think some of the challenges, this is going to be a pretty large initial question, but maybe we can just, um, you just put it into little chunks. But my first question is, what are some of the challenges that maybe an agency or somebody 
um, in a large organisation that thinks WordPress with Lifter, LMS or, or LearnDash would be a great solution. What are some of the challenges he or she are going to face trying to get that accepted in a large organisation? Well, uh, Jonathan, I think back to the call where you and I first came up with the idea to do the show together and um, the question had come up, you know, what obstacle is there to, to get it out? And I said the cost. Um, and and the, my idea of the cost was completely contradictory to what I think people expected. And that was, I think we're just too cheap. Um, when you look at some of the custom learning programs that are out there and some of the things that these established companies have been using for a decade, uh, outdated backend interfaces, it's hard to get your zip files up. I mean, you go on and on about the problems with the systems. But corporate America has accepted these problems as the norm, and they haven't recognized that there are newer, cleaner alternatives that are faster, not only faster and better, but cheaper. And when you go into a corporate room and you say, hey, I can take this $500,000 package that you're paying for and give you something better, faster, cleaner, um, and lighter for your server, and give it to you for less than $100,000, there's, there's a certain air of disbelief there. And I, and I think that, that that takes a lot to overcome with some established gray-haired folks that are running the show. Yeah, well, there's kind of old, um, there's old saying in the IT industry, no um, medium-sized manager's ever been sacked for um, saying that they should use, the company should use IBM. Um, you're not going to get the sack, but it's, um, it's not always the greatest solution. It's a bit of old cliche shame, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's one of those obstacles for me. And in fact, when you know, before I did the corporate thing with Ducati and Suzuki and was doing my own thing, um, I actually ran into a deal where I, I thought that I was helping these companies with super affordable web packages, and I kept getting really low quality clients that weren't prepared to be online. And so I doubled my prices, I got better clients, and it was easier to close the sale. And then I doubled my prices again, and it was even easier to close the sale and get better clients. And I thought, well, this is crazy. And I did it over and over and over again, until finally Ducati became a client. And after three or four years of working with Ducati as a contractor, they brought me in full-time as an employee, and that's when I built their training program. So it's, it's one of those where I think pricing, especially when you're a solo person, a solopreneur trying to work in the learning management space, I think you look at the cost of a project or you look at what you project as a fee you would charge and, and you're trying to be competitive and you're trying to earn the business by giving them a smoking hot deal and I think you're hurting yourself. I think you need to price accordingly to the market and then realize that the, when you're dealing with a bigger company, there's a lot more emotional tax. There's a lot more mental tax that goes on that bid than you planned for and you're going to do the work and earn the money anyway. So you might as well charge it up front. So can you, um, before I throw it over to Agent, can you explain a little bit about your background? Because I can see all these tools in the background. Um, listeners and view, view, listeners, if you go and watch this on the WP Tonic YouTube channel, you'll be able to see because it's got a load of tools. Are you, are, are you based in the motorsport industry? Is that, is that, is that how you um, were introduced to Ducati and Suzuki? Because you're part of that um, environment that industry in general yeah yeah my parents split up when i was six years old so my dad pissed off my mother and got me a dirt bike and uh i've been riding motorcycles ever since um so i, I love bikes i raced motorcycles for 20 years uh you know i became pro at the end of it and realized just how slow i was uh, the only time you saw me on tv in a race is when the leaders were going past me on the front straightaway so um 
I, I can't brag about a racing career, but I can, you know, kind of lean on that experience as to what really got me into the power sports industry. I've worked for multiple car dealerships, uh, worked in the airlines, uh, and then got into the OEM side, the original equipment manufacturer side of power sports. And I love working in the industry, even though our industry is suffering really badly with a downturn in the economy and sales going down, it's still a great industry and a great sport to be a part of. Um, with Ducati, I actually became a Ducati master technician and I became their technical trainer and taught everybody in Canada, United States, and Mexico. And it was then that I realized if you're going to have a quality instructor-led course, you have to have a quality theory course ahead of that. Because when you drag people from all over the country to a, to a training arena and you put tools in their hands, you want to make sure you gave them the opportunity to see the theory first. And that was one of the, the missing things that Ducati really didn't have in place in America when I took that program over. So I used Moodle at the time. Um, I, you know, I'm a big person with open source and shareware and things that are free and, and anything to save a buck. So I used Moodle and um, it, the back end was a little confusing. I tried to teach coworkers how to do the reporting and stuff like that. And it was always an issue. Like I could figure it out and I thought something was wrong with everyone else that couldn't. But it just seemed to be one of those things that was a was a, more of an obstacle than a blessing. And so when I left Ducati and went to Suzuki, I looked at other options that were WordPress and, and more visually based. I, I thought easier on the on the end user. And I've been really happy with the options I've used so far. That's great. Over to you, Adrian. So just for the, the, the couple of companies that you've mentioned so far, you seem to be focusing on both Suzuki and Ducati. The, are those the, 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 big, the big ones for you? Yeah, the, those are the two serious ones I worked for. Before that, it was all dealership-based. Uh, you know, I worked at a dealership in Albuquerque. I've done a few in, in Denver, uh, started in Pennsylvania. So um, at, at the dealer level and at the, the service level for dealerships, I didn't have to do any of this stuff. Right. And it was during the downturn in the economy, 2007 and eight that I took this little web hobby of mine and said, you know what, if I can't keep providing for my family in a retail environment, I'm going to do like a business to business thing. And I started building sites and basically my own agency in Albuquerque. Right. And, and that's for, for, for those larger companies, was the, was the training that you actually built and, and, and the, the backend, that wasn't for the customers. That was actually internal, right? Uh, for the technicians in the field. So I got to be real careful saying like retail, wholesale, however you want to phrase that, because like Ducati's an office run really with 30 people in a room. So if you said internal, a lot of people would think it was for those 30 people. It was really for the 600 technicians that worked around the country, Canada and Mexico. Right. But like, and, so, but yeah. they don't actually like work for the company. They're in like the dealerships or. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. And gotcha. then by design, uh, like Ducati, Suzuki, Yamaha, Honda, all those companies, they wouldn't make their training material available to the general public, which is, you know, you don't want to say it's open to the public. It's only open. To, it's like a closed network. Right. So you have to, you have to be, you have to get the gateway access first. Yeah. And you got to do, you know, membership management and passwords and, you know, nothing can be open. And so it, it takes a little management on the back end, which is part of that statement I made at the beginning. Which leads me into my follow-up question. Thank you for that segue. What, what, when you're actually going to these larger organizations and you're going through the process and you're answering their questions and you say, we can do all of this for you for like this much less amount of money than what you're currently paying for whoever else, what is it that you actually include in that package in order to make it seem like, oh my God, you know, this is really, really what we're looking for? Is it just the LMS site? Is there a support that goes with it? Is there some sort of other package that recurs yearly? Like what, what are you actually selling to these companies? 
So this this is where I sound like I'm I'm not patronizing you, Adrian. I'm I'm trying to pat you on the back. I've seen you on a few of these calls, and I think you're a wonderful speaker and salesperson with the product you represent. You're kind of inspiring in that way. Um, it's the same tool set that I use when I'm talking to a big company that you use when you're talking to folks. It's it's a needs assessment first. So I go in, I interview that client, and and I literally sit down with a legal pad. You know, and, and I just start asking questions and writing things down. How many learners do you think you have? You know, what, what's the time frame to get things done? What's your heavy season and your light season for web traffic and bandwidth? What's, and a lot of times they don't have those answers. They, they've been in these positions for decades. And as executive management, they just don't know. So then, but do you sow that seed by asking the question? And then at the end of that, I basically look at my legal pad and I go, well, the good news is I can meet, you know, 12 out of 14 of these needs, or I can meet nine out of 12, whatever. And mm-hmm. I said, and then typically, and, and this is more about my sales technique than, than product, but they'll say, well, how much is that going to cost? And then I'll say, well, realistically, I think what we need to do is you take this to the people that are actually making the buying decision. Cause I know it's not you <laughs> and you see what the budget is that you can afford for this type of activity. Get back to me and I'll see how many of these items we can keep on the list with the budget you have available. Slick. And then it's amazing. The budget always comes back higher, higher than what I would have asked for. And then it, then it's simple because then I can say, you know what? Good news, great news. I, you know, I found out that I can also, you know, subcontract, sublet, whatever, and take care of these three missing bullet points for you for the same money. And then it becomes a value-add conversation. I make more money. They get full services. And I'm able to employ a couple of contractors on the side. Awesome. Back to you, Jonathan. Yeah. So I thought that was a great outline. but. Um, Obviously, you had these connections um, in the motorcycle industry. Um, how do you think agencies or consultants or somebody, in, this won't apply to somebody internal that wants to champion utilising something like WordPress for their training platform, but let's, let's concentrate on external vendor who might not have those internal relationships do you think what if you were in their shows what kind of outreach would you do what would be the kind of approach you would utilize to get there that first conversation going i can tell you specifically what doesn't work (laughs) and that is uh going through linkedin and trying to figure out everybody's corporate email based on their first name last name and corporate url uh, and cold calling people with emails. I, I must delete a hundred emails a day. Um, for me, it's all relationship based. And whether you have that relationship um, because you're in the industry and you're already a hot wire in, or uh, whether you make that relationship, you can do it through LinkedIn. You can friend somebody, message them, start to get to know them, and and then transfer that, that conversation. But um, I, I'm really against the whole cold calling issue and, and trying to get people to buy a $100,000 package because they recognize your name on LinkedIn. That's not going to work. Um, and I should be clear about another thing, Jonathan, and that is when I say that I was slow at racing and people didn't know who I was, that's not an understatement. So it wasn't a plug and play thing for me with Ducati. Um, I actually published a book on service writing in 2007 and Ducati found that book online. They read the book and then they went, oh, this guy knows everything about service. And so they, they contacted me through that book and then they said, hey, you know, who are you? And I said, so then they, they got the thing, like I'm in power sports. And they were like, oh, this is awesome. You, 
you know, you worked in dealerships, you're in power sports, you're a motorcycle enthusiast, and it all just kind of stacked up. And then they said, okay, well, we would like to talk to you about writing a course for us. And that's how the whole corporate training thing really took over. It was like, so you want me to write a course? I wrote it. And then I said, how much do you want to pay for it? Because now I already wrote it. (laughs) And then they said, well, we don't really want to buy the course. How about if you teach the course? I said, well, I could certainly teach. That's fine because I was an MSF instructor. So uh, I taught the course. And then they said, we want to have big events in Las Vegas. I said, okay, great. I'll go to Vegas. You got to pay my travel. And then they said, but we don't have anyone to run those events. Could you run those events too? Like do the bookings and the catering and all that stuff. Okay, sure. Like, I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. And it's, it's just one thing after another, after another, four years of that. And it was really successful. And that kind of became my niche. Well, yeah, I understand. Thank you for outlining that because it's like most things, there was a lot of steps in building credibility and establishing relationship. That's what you were trying to point out. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back and we'll be delving in this world of pitching or developing learning management systems for uh, corporate clients. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back i've really enjoyed the conversation so far um it's exactly where i was hoping we were going to go and uh, with your help kirk um so like you like we were saying in the first part of the show um that you know really you know you I think what you're outlining is what a lot of people outline. You had built some credibility in, in the industry through publishing this book and your background. And it's like a lot of people, that's why podcasting or doing uh, any kind of presentation and building up your credibility in a particular industry is so important, isn't it? Now, um, what I think another thing, factor and Adrian touched it is that also large corporations and larger clients are also interested in the support are you going to be there consistently Um, as a a small or medium agency or consultant how do you overcome those natural reservations that the support standards aren't going to be there well I'm going to actually go back to something you said earlier, Jonathan, you said that you had worked with a couple of mega churches and um, I've been involved in church for a long time. I've been a youth pastor for years and I just seem to have a way to tie into really responsible kids between the ages of 16 and 25. Um, And, you know, people say, oh, well, you're leveraging, you know, your gift of faith to leverage youth for low pay or whatever. I mean, call me a jerk if you want but it works out really well. And it gives these kids a real life experience on how to deal with things. So if it's as simple as, Hey, I'm going to pay you so much an hour or so much to answer this phone or, or respond to these emails, they're thrilled to get the work. And I'm thrilled to have someone responsible that can answer a customer's query in less than 10 minutes. And for me, it's the quickness of the answer. 
And, you know, I have obligations to, you know, it's funny, I call Suzuki my number one client, right? Because I do other things besides Suzuki. But um, when I'm at Suzuki, I'm there 100%. And so, and Suzuki gets everything I got when I'm on the clock. So if there's a customer issue or a client issue with something else, I need someone that can answer that email or take that phone call, or at least buy me the time to make that personal contact back and, and fix whatever the situation is. And, and it works really, really well for me. Um, I've also read like Tim Ferriss's books and stuff. And there are a ton of options for, for people that aren't in our position, my position. There are a ton of options for people to sublet or subcontract this type of service support work at a very reasonable rate. And uh, it, I, I advise everybody to look into that kind of stuff. Because you can be a one-man shop working in a, in a loft in your house and put together a couple hundred thousand dollar deals and know that you're going to pay thousands of dollars for support labor on the back end, but you're going to be able to sell those big deals. That's great. Over to you, Adrian. So uh, a lot of us, myself included, are small businesses. Uh, our, our, our mantra is move fast and break things. We all are super creative and we love to just pull the trigger on whatever makes it or whatever feels right at the moment. However, I am intuitively familiar or I, I intuitively know that that's not the way that the corporate world works. And a lot of people, uh, or most likely a lot of our listeners, are probably not all too familiar with that corporate structure either. So how would uh, you recommend that someone who's not, or wasn't born out of like that, that corporate infrastructure and actually tailor their process into working these companies? And how would they manage the, the relationship in between themselves who are like super creative and move fast and break things and all that, all, everything that I said into also being able to understand what the needs of essentially the, the corporations are and what their processes are and how fast they move. How, how does one manage that relationship? You are describing exactly what I work in at Suzuki. Um, and it should be no secret to people in the industry. So I'm not breaking any corporate rules. They're amazingly um, socially conservative. So when I said, when I told friends in the industry, I was going to go to work at Suzuki, they said, dude, you're going to be the best thing to ever happen there. You're going to love it. You're, it's going to be great, but you're not going to be able to do anything for the first year. And I went, what do you, what do, I don't understand. What are you talking about? Cause they told me in the interview, they want me to do this, 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 this. And he goes, they'll tell you all kinds of stuff in the interview, but when you go to pull the trigger and make stuff happen, they're going to freak out. Um, and there's a saying in Japan, you know, that it says the, the protruding nail always gets hammered, right? So if you're the guy in the room with the new ideas and always getting the spotlight, man, they'll, they'll, they'll beat on you until you leave. Um, and that, that's a cultural thing. That's a phrase, right? So I will tell you, it took a lot of time and it, and it took uh, tenacity and you have to have, I know you've got this, um, a sense of humor. You, you have to be able to, uh, you know, for me, I've got Asian vice presidents now that, you know, high five me in corporate meetings and stuff like that. And it's because over three years, I've been able to earn their trust by saying, I can do this, watch. And then three days later going, look, it's done. And then, a, and then a week later going, look, I did it last week and it still works. And then, you know, small things, bigger things, bigger things, bigger things. And my key to working with these corporations has been stair-stepping that relationship. And each small step is just exponentially a little bit higher than the next one. Um, the same thing happened at Ducati. You would go over to Bologna, Italy and talk to those folks. And uh, Doshebo was who did their e-learning internationally. And then I built the Moodle site just for North America. And uh, I met the Doshebo people. Hopefully I'm saying the name right. Uh, sweet folks, nice people from... Uh, 
Uh, I can't remember where they're from, a, a southern town in Italy. And it was great. It was, the relationships were fantastic. But Ducati Motor Company in Italy didn't trust me with the project, you know, until I started to establish myself with the American project and blow it up. So it, it's those, those like those stair steps, you know, you start off with small, small projects first and you bite off a little bit of a time. And as you yeah. kind of build that relationship and use, they see that it works, it becomes easier to do the things that the creative people want to do and pull triggers on all sorts yeah. of stuff and create and make big things happen. I, I try to explain this to people that work on my team with me. I, I run a team of creative people. And we all have these great, big, giant ideas and goals. And, and I'll go into these corporate meetings with the other upper managers. And, and I know that the goal is this, but all I pitch them is this, right? Because I know that if I were to hit them with this, they'd freak out and say, there's no way we're not going to write a check for any of it. So you hit them with this one and it works. And then you go this far and then you go, okay, now we're here. And I've had to do that multiple times, but it took a lot of trial and error to figure out that that's how it works with these bigger companies and some of the older management in place. Awesome. Thank you. I think, I think that's as if, if you're going to take value away from, from this, it's if you're working with big clients, you know, it's that, 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 that stair stepping of the relationship and the, and the size of the things that you want to change for sure. It, you know, Adrian, it, it, it's, it's a dichotomy relationship with, with your own self because you know what you want to do. And then there's a point in the conversation where some guy in the room is going to go, well, I'm confused. You're only talking about this. I thought you were a big idea guy. And that's where you have to go, oh, well, I've got plenty of ideas for a five-year plan or a seven-year plan, but I know that you only have the appetite for this at this time. And so you, you can never let them think you're an idiot that you don't know about this, but you have to let them know that I'm only concentrating on this because I know this is what you have the appetite for at this time and you've earmarked the budget for this much now. And then we'll look at growing at a rate that's comfortable for you. And then through your own creativity and relationship building, you're able to speed that process up. For example, my five-year plan at Suzuki, uh, I just checked the last one off and I've been there three years. But it was, it's a five-year plan and I was able to accelerate the plan, you know, as I earned the trust in the relationship. Brilliant. Uh, super valuable. Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. As we were discussing in pre-show discussions, Kurt, um, I think you described when you were building this out with um, Nifta LMS at Suzuki, it was literally a stunt, a stunt project. You know, I, it was with the agreement of a couple um, of other um, reasonably um, senior managers, but it wasn't told to the whole crew of Suzuki until you actually um so was there a general resistance to the idea of using open source software in general would they is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um for, well you know now I'm, my face is probably turning red here but um from a corporate standpoint um they are still very much in a everything is self-serve self-hosted a giant air-conditioned room in the back of the building um, they're still very much in that. And, and we are seeing um, slowly our company beginning to adopt some more of the more conventional ideas about, you know, web services, web hosting, web backups, things like that, right? Using the cloud. Um, so there are a couple of uh, vice presidents at the company that, you know, use iPads and, you know, use Dropbox accounts and things like that, right? So they were kind of familiar with when I said cloud hosting something. And so uh, one of the vice presidents uh, used some expletives because he's a colorful person. And he said, um, we need to bypass 
the normal process if we're going to launch this project you just proposed. He, he really wanted me to build a project that would allow us to train new dealerships coming into our network um, without having to send someone physically to the building because we're, we're adding so many dealers that you, you can't send human beings out fast enough to teach people things. And so uh, we built this product to kind of onboard the dealers virtually. And he said, I, I really want you to do this. We don't have time to wait for the corporate processes to, to roll out and get approvals. So let's go through one of our vendors, have them get the hosting, have them put everything, you know, where you need it, get the software you need, the lift, you know, the infinity package through Lifter LMS, the whole thing. They put it on their card and then build us on a, on a vendor PO to cover the costs. And that gave me everything I needed to build the product. Once the product was built and the renewals came up a year later, well, then it was, hey, we've already got this product. It's already up. People can already access it. It works. Um, by the way, I need another 600 bucks for another year of hosting, right? And they were like, all right, we don't know how this happened, but, you know, here's your check. And, uh, and now it's an established part. You know, it, it's, it's, it's part of our processes moving forward to bring dealers on board. That's great. Over to you, Agent. I like I like the guerrilla operation you had going on there. That's anything. That's really fun. There's um I don't know if you guys do project management software like Paymo. I use Paymo application. I did the very similar thing at the company. I actually paid for it for the first year, uh, and then after a year, I gave my executive management an hourly report of this is exactly what everybody did for the last year and how you spent your salary dollars. I said, but I'm not going to pay for this anymore. And all of a sudden, they were willing to write the check. He just, uh, you didn't even ask for forgiveness, not for permission, right? Just do it. <laughs> it reminds me of a similar conversation I heard about the people that started Slack. Um, they um, basically, they by on day one decided that their, that the time it would take to get medium to larger companies to take on Slack, the investment would just be too large. So they aimed at a product at a certain level in an organization and then they built credibility in those initial users and then they hoped that it would become more and more people in the organization would be using it without the top management. It was a fascinating discussion. So we're going to ramp up the podcast, the podcast part of the show folks hopefully Kurt can stay on for some bonus content we're going to be discussing basically some of the challenges in building a online course compared to actually physically going and giving training some of the things that Kurt has learned during this process now Kurt how can people find out more about you and what you're up to uh Manana Nomas is just the absolute best way to find me anywhere on the internet. And I know I'm the whitest guy in the world with a, with a Latin name, but uh, Manana Nomas is it. Uh, the sign is behind me over my head. And uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, the website, mananomas.com. And in the back end of that is a uh, Lifter LMS powered uh, academy that people can go into. There's even a free course of people that are interested in trying the courses to see what the end user sees without having to invest time. You can try one there. And it's, I dig it. I just totally love all the stuff that we do there. That's great. And Agent, how can people find out more about you and your, your company and what you're up to? Well, you can go to Groundhog with two Gs at the end.io to find out more about our sales and marketing automation tools that we provide for WordPress for absolutely free. So if you're looking to send emails, collect subscribers, build a list, build a tribe on WordPress, then you can go to groundhog.io for all of that information and download our free tools. 
And I just want to point out what Agent and his team are trying to do is some of the most difficult, you know, is impressive what Agent is attempting to do. It's not easy. Um, and I've been impressed with the level of support and um, what they're trying to do at Groundhog. Um, if you want to support the show, um, give us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show. And if you want to see the episodes the earliest, always go to the YouTube, um, the WP Tonic YouTube channel because we publish the shows there the earliest. So if you haven't had enough of, um, you can't get enough of WP Tonic, go to the WP Tonic YouTube channel, subscribe, and you'll be told when the latest show is up. We'll see you next week where we have another great expert. We've got a number of great people in August and September. Um, I'm sure you're going to find value if you stay with us on this journey. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.